0: How many of you have made a New Year's resolution? Really concerned about my church. All the experts say you need to to make you better and make, make a commitment. I, I saw this this week on the website Brain Statistics. The uh, percentage of Americans who make New Year's resolutions every year is about 45%. That First Baptist, it's about 5%, but 45% than the normal people in America Uh, People who never make resolutions, 38%. So I guess that gives some wiggle room for error. People who are successful in achieving their resolutions, I think this is a lie, 45%. I don't know if it's that high. I think that's pretty high. We lie to those posters and things like that anyway. People who never succeed and always fail. 40% 40% said, we never do it. We never did. I heard someone on Wednesday, the second, said, well, I started on my diet yesterday, and I've already blown it. I'm excited about 2020. Amen? We may have, in the next few weeks, some resolutions for you, some goals for you, spiritually. And I hope you will set some. But I'm going to challenge you this morning to make a commitment in one area, in one area that will change your life if you will truly do it. We're starting a series called Wise Up. Most of the sermons are going to be out of Proverbs, but this Sunday it's in Joshua. If you have your Bibles, Joshua 24. If you don't have a Bible, the scriptures will be on the screen, so we will provide those for you. The first four weeks in this series, we're going to look at the foundations of wisdom, not necessarily the behaviors, but what creates wisdom. And certainly in Joshua 24, we find this is a foundation of wisdom. I want to begin and read verse 1 with you or to you. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua is the great leader who followed Moses, and he is, uh, he is close to dying. He's going to die in the near future. And so the the, the Jewish people are in the promised land. They, they're in this land God's given them. There's still a lot of challenges, a lot of a lot of things they're going to have to deal with, but he still knows no matter what, the most important thing is your relationship with God, is their relationship with God. We don't have time to read this, but in verse 2 through 14, basically, he walks them through how God has blessed you, all the things God's done for you, how God's been good to you. Now, listen. I don't wanna downplay that you may have had a hard year last year. You may be experiencing tough things right now. Don't wanna downplay that at all. But most of us in Ruston, Louisiana, compared to the rest of the world, are pretty blessed. And we we've got a lot of things uh, to our advantage, and and even if life is terrible for you right now, God's put you here. Even this morning, you're able to get here. You're able to listen, and so you're, you're blessed more than you think that you are. And basically, what Joshua was going to be challenging them, he's saying, "Look, God's done all this for you, and now you need to make a fresh or a first time." are a recommitment to God on how you're going to live for him. He says all these things and then basically throws the ball back at him and it says it's your move. And this morning, here's what I want to challenge. You've got a move to make today. You have a move to make. You have a decision to make. You have a choice to make. You may have a lot. Maybe at where you go to college next year. Maybe about graduate school. Maybe about whether you marry that person or you don't marry that person. It may be a financial or career decision some of you got some tough decisions you have to make but this morning one that we have to make in some way or another is in our relationship to God now you may be saying this morning well if this is a, a salvation story I've already done that I don't need to hear this it is that but it's much more if you're not a Christian today, and, and you may be here thinking you are, but you may not be, you need to make a move toward God. You may you, you need to make a choice about following God for the first time. But but listen, following God is not static. It's dynamic. In other words, you don't make a decision to follow God one time, and it's good for the rest of your life. Now, as far as your salvation being secure, yes, but your, relation, your fellowship with God is ongoing. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me uh, monthly right yearly follow me daily you said follow me daily so you listen christian this morning you and i god God, may have something about serving ministry are just coming back to him and living for him that he's trying to get your attention for and that you have a decision to make every person in here has a decision to make in regards to our relationship with god in verse 14 he says now therefore fear the lord In verse 14 and 15, there's three imperative words used. Imperative means it's an absolute necessity. I mean, you've got to do this. And that word fear, when we get into Proverbs in our Wise Up series, fearing the Lord is going to be a theme. Honor, reverence, bow your life to God. Realize God is the creator. God is the owner. God is the king. You need to respect him and treat him as that. Fear the Lord. Reverence and humble him. Then he goes on and he says, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. One of the keys this morning is sincerity. Many of us, we're not serving God sincerely. He says, serve him sincerely. Put away the gods. Another imperative phrase, put away, not optional. Put away the things that are standing in between you and serving the true and the real God. In verse 15, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Wow. Wow. What he's fixed to say to him is powerful. The word evil can mean evil and corrupt, but it can also mean displeasing. Hey, you just you just don't want to serve God. It just doesn't fit you where you are in life right now. You're young, you don't want the commitment that God's going to demand of you. That's what he's saying to him. You don't want to do this, don't do it. If it's displeasing for you to serve God, don't. You're taking notes. You see that little word serve? That's the third imperative word in this passage. He's going to talk about serving the gods, the false gods of the world, or serving the real God. The word serve here means more than just bringing somebody tea. That's a great way to serve somebody. But it's a more powerful word. Again, it's an imperative. It means to be enslaved to someone or something. It means to worship somebody or something. And if you know what worship means, it means to surrender to somebody or something. You you, you want to serve the world? Serve the world. If you want to serve and worship, And be enslaved to God, you be enslaved to God. But you choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods that your forefathers served in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in the land you're in right now, or the gods of Egypt. But you choose. Me and my family, we know the direction we're going. Jewish people could look back in their history and their Great, 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 great grandparents had served false gods. They lived in Egypt. Their great, great grandparents or grandparents did. They served false gods. In the land they were in right now, they worship false gods. Most of these were fertility, nature-type gods, and we don't struggle with de- dealing with those type of gods now, but we got a lot of things that are in our way. And he says, I want you to choose. If you're taking notes, the word choose there is significant. It, it means to make a distinction. You make a distinction with careful thought-out choice and and please put this in your notes it's a choice with eternal consequences wow I want you to make a deliberate choice a thought-out choice and understand that this is not a choice you minimize because it's a choice that has eternal consequences now I just want to throw this in here God enables you to make these choices God never calls you to do something you cannot do. Let me repeat that. God never calls you to do something you can't do. And if God's calling you to do something this morning, you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's saying, I want you to do it. Look in verse 16. It says, And the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve our God. In other words, he called them out and they said, Hey, we'll do it. But what's funny is is Joshua's response to them. This was his last sermon to the people, by the way. You will agree when you hear this. Joshua said, you're not able to serve God. He's holy. He's jealous. He's not going to forgive you when you play games with him. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after you've done no good. Wow, wow. Can you imagine this morning if someone came forward during the invitation and Merrick's standing over here, they come to Merrick, and you can hear Merrick say, just go back to your seat. You don't mean what you're saying. You're not going to follow God. And then they come to me and they say, I want to give my life to Christ. You're not serious about that. Go sit down. Go back and sit down. That would be my last sermon, wouldn't it, I'm sure. Probably Merrick's last day here. But Joshua is calling him out. Joshua saying, you're not real. You're not being honest. I won't read the rest of this right now, but then they come back and say, yes, we will be. What's Joshua? What's God through Joshua trying to get through to them and to you and me this morning? He's saying, let's get real. He's trying to, I mean, he's trying to cut it to the core. I want you to serve God, but I don't want you playing games. And you cannot follow God the way God wants you to follow God. And follow 80 other gods. Big G God versus little g, -g G-O-D-S. What are some gods maybe you're following this morning? Uh, We all have things we struggle with. I saw an article from the New York Post talking about the millennials. And it says millennials, and that's people born 79 to 94, 95, are choosing pizza, push-ups, and video games over church. Hmm. I'm for the pizza, aren't you? They interviewed a 22 year old young man named Alex and Alex said that he grew up in church and he left church not. He wasn't bitter. He just wasn't getting anything out of it. And now his church, his religious experience, his God connection is through video games. Now for you old timers, these aren't video games like you play in an arcade. These are sophisticated games you can play online with people all over the world. His favorite game is The Witcher 3. He says it's his spiritual God. This is where he connects with God. This is where he finds the purpose of God in his life. I'm not criticizing video games. I know nothing about that particular video game. And I'm going to pick on older people in just a second. But whether you're, you're 25 or you're 55, you're not going to find God in a video game. And, and you, you don't push God, the real God aside, for a video game. Some of you older people are going, yeah, them young people. Yep. I've been hearing that since I started preaching. I was 23, and the young people are all going to hell. Well, I was young then. That bothered me. A lot of old people are going to hell too. Isn't that right, young people? Say amen. See, we're more sophisticated. We worship things like family. Wait a second. Pastor, and family supposed to be extremely important? Absolutely. See, Jesus said two things matter more than anything else, God and people, Right? In that order, God and people. And I believe in, in in the people thing, the most important people thing is your family. You don't neglect other people, but it is your family. But when I started pastoring 30 years ago, here's what I saw. I'd never really noticed this, but people neglected church, neglected serving God, neglected Following God because oh, they had to be with their family. They had to do this with their family. Their family came first. Why don't you follow God? And, no, I gotta be near my family. I gotta do this. Listen, your family ought to be extremely important. But some of you, you'd make fun of somebody worshiping a video game, but you put your family above God. We put we put activities above God. Don't raise your hand. How many of you men in particular put your job above God? Are we put sports above God? And I love all these things I'm telling you. We put money before God. We put being popular. Some of us worship at the mirror. We're worshiping ourselves. I mean, Your God, what determines your life is you. And here's what God says. I'm throwing the gauntlet down to those Jewish people thousands of years ago. I'm throwing it down in Ruston this morning. I want you to put aside some stuff you just got to get rid of. Some of it you got to reprioritize. And I want you to put God on the throne of your life. Wisest thing you can do, period. I love what I heard a speaker say recently. He talked about repentance, putting stuff aside. He said, when you start following Jesus, you move in a direction that just naturally turns you from other things. Isn't that cool? Repentance isn't complicated. Repentance says when you put God first, other things start to get reprioritized. Other things start falling away. That's what God says. I want you to make that choice this morning. Let me tell you some things about this choice that I think that are that are neat, but really important. It, it's a personal choice. This is a personal choice. In verse 15, he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. He's talking to a group just like I'm talking to a group. But ultimately, it's, this is not a group decision. It, it, it's a decision you have to make and that I have to make. Your parents might not make it. Your kids might not make it. Your, your husband or wife not, may not make it, but you have to make it. It's a, it's a personal choice. Folks, you've heard this said probably before. God has no grandkids. You cannot know God through your mom and your daddy. Now, they ought to point you to God, but you have to have a personal, up-close relationship to God. Someone said, and this may be true, that the scariest words in the English language are, it's up to you you have to make a decision. Man, I wish I could make this decision for you. I'm sure some of you wish you could make some decisions for me today too. But I can't. But I can tell you, God's calling you this morning. Some of you to Him for the first time. Some of you back to Him. You've been you've been away from God for two months. Some of you for two decades. Some of you, God's got a ministry, a plan for your life, and, and it's t- he's calling you today. But the only person who can make that choice is you. It's a personal choice. Here's the third thing. It's a public choice. It's a public choice. In verse 15 and 16, And if it's evil in your eyes to serve God, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served beyond the river, are the gods the Amorites whose land you live in? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, We will serve God. Listen, I love what Joshua said. Joshua said, Y'all've got to make a decision. But before you decide, let me tell you, I'm following God. God I'm following God. No bones about it. He wasn't being obnoxious. He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being crude. He just said, look, I want you to know I'm following God. In the end, he's, he's asking them to do the same thing, and they do. They say, hey, we will do this also. Folks, this morning, I'm not saying you got to get on stage and sing a special music, tap dance. I'd like to see some of you do that. We'll pay for some of you to do that. But God doesn't want a secret servant you know that? God wants you to be proud of him. Years ago one of my friends in Tennessee bumped into some other friends in Tennessee, and they hadn't seen each other in a few years, and, and, and this one guy had his wife with him. They'd never met his wife before. They visited for about ten minutes, and when they left, they noticed he never introduced his wife to them. How many of you think that's a problem? How many of you women think that's a problem? That's the problem, girls. That's the problem. And I remember, listen, I'm a prophet. I told one of my buddies, I said, they're going to get divorced. And you know what? A few years later, they got divorced. Your wife or your husband wants you to be proud of them. Amen? No, not. Honey, I'm proud of you. I hope you are me. But we want that, don't we? You do. We're funny, man. We, we're proud of our teams, which we should be. We're proud of our schools, which we should be. Sometimes when it comes to Jesus, we're just passive, aren't we? George H.W. Bush was president, uh, 88 to 92. He just passed away. 1988, he ran for president. And I can remember, I was in graduate school. He was interviewed and he was asked about his faith in Christ. and, And he gave a very vague answer. And he said, it's just a very private and personal manner. Now, everything I've heard about him, he was a fine man. But I'm going to disagree with that. Your faith in Jesus Christ is not a private, personal matter. It is personal, but it's such an awesome thing, it just comes out of you, doesn't it? Hey, listen, God is too big to live in you without coming out of you, right? And if he's not coming out of you, he may not live in you. God's calling you this morning, I want a public response to me i want you to let the world that's why we baptize people that's why we want you to be able to say that you're a follower of jesus god wants a public following from you and from me jamie put luke 9 on the screen for a scary scary verse luke 9 26 for whoever's ashamed of me and my words here on earth of of him when will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory And the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. What God was saying here, listen, when all's said and done and the final judgment's coming, if you weren't willing to own me here on earth, it just means you didn't know me here on earth. And if you won't own me here on earth, I'm not going to own you because I don't own you when we stand before God. That's a pretty good reason to get loud and proud about Jesus, isn't it? It's a public, it's a public decision. Here's the fourth thing. It's an urgent choice. It's urgent. In your Bibles, it says, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose next month whom you will serve. No, it says, choose today who you will serve. And and it's just a simple thing, but it's important that word day means the present, it means now, it means today. It means now. Now, I want to give you a little disclaimer. You're here this morning. Maybe you're watching this morning, and you're an atheist or you're an agnostic. You you say, I don't even know if there is a God, man. First of all, you're in the right place. We are so happy you're here. You're welcome here. We love you. We want you here. And you may need a little time to digest and work through some things. Don't put too much time into your decision. Make the decision. It's it's one you don't always have to make. But, but a lot of us here today, we've been in church for years. Are, are you, you've been in church for a while. And you know you need to give your life to Christ today. You, 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 maybe you know you need to join the church today. You need to come back to God today. And God's calling you, make that decision. I want you to make that resolution, that move this morning in regards to your relationship with God. Psychologists have told us for years, theologians tell us from a spiritual perspective, when we delay too long making decisions, our heart gets hard, and and it just gets easier and easier to procrastinate and put off doing what we should be doing. Don't let that build up in your heart and in your mind. Walter Scott was a great Scottish writer, in his diary one morning, he wrote these words, Tomorrow we shall. Tomorrow we shall. And they found him later that day dead. And that's the last thing he wrote in his diary. Tomorrow we shall. Nobody has any idea what tomorrow we shall do. But that's the famous last words of a lot of people that died yesterday. Or that may die tomorrow. May die tomorrow. tomorrow we're going to do this. Listen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. Some of you need to give your life to Christ this morning. Some of you need to come back to God this morning. You need to to make that decision you've been putting off for long. You need to respond to Christ today. It's an urgent, an urgent choice. And here's number five. It's a choice of great ramifications. I mean, there's a lot of, listen, there's a lot of things that, that happen when you do or you don't follow God. Peter Drucker was a great management and leadership expert. And, and Drucker said this about a business. It would apply to a church. It would apply to a team. It, and it applies to your life. He said, when you see a great business or a great organization, somebody at some point made some courageous and hard choices. Somebody at some point made some courageous and hard and good choices. What are the ramifications of your decision with Christ today? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things. One is the here and now. Listen, God wants to save you forever, but God wants your life to be better now. Isn't that cool? You know, it was such a neat thing when I realized that that following Christ wasn't just fire insurance. It was was a better life now. I'm testifying to you following Christ, making the choice to live for Him. Some of you are Christian, and you're not living for Him like you should, and you're not experiencing the life God wants you to have. When you decide, I'm going to sell out to God, that's where your best life is found. The ramifications here and now are tremendous. The, The ramifications for eternity cannot be stated loud enough. When you make a decision not to follow Jesus Christ, If you're not a Christian, that costs you forever. If you make a decision to follow Christ, that's an eternal decision. I want to share with you some names. You'll know most of these Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Stephen Hawking. I taught him some physics back years ago. Billy Cannon. Billy Cannon. How many of you know who Billy Cannon was? I asked a couple of my staff members today, and they didn't know. I, I think a guy named Brandon said he was a tennis player. If you're an LSU person, are you insulted by that? Isn't that terrible? Billy, Billy Cannon won the Heisman Trophy, I think, in 1959. Great football player. And George H.W. Bush again. What, what do these four people have in common? Well, that they, they some of them had a lot of money. Probably all of them did. They were famous. Billy Graham was arguably the greatest spiritual leader of the 20th century. Stephen Hawking may have been the greatest mind of the 20th century. Billy Cannon, a great football player. George H.W. Bush was the president. His son was president for two terms. He was the director of the CIA. He was the vice president of the United States at one point. They all died last year. And you know what? When they stood before Jesus Christ, he wasn't looking at the resume. You know what he was looking at? Do you have a relationship with me? At The heart. Period. And, and and you know and that's scary and it's cool because you've heard the, you've heard it say the, the 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 ground at the the foot of the cross is level. I'm going to tell you at the judgment seat it's level too. You're not going to take your billfold up there and it's going to matter. You know who my daddy is? Yeah, he does. <laughs> your choice is eternal. Your choice is eternal, and your choice has huge ramifications for others. It has huge ramification for other people. In verse 15, at the end of it, he says, But me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Folks, you can't make a decision for someone, but you sure, sure, sure can influence them. Let me repeat that. You can't make a decision for someone, but man, you can influence them. I want you to see a quote that I, I don't know where I saw this or who said it, but but look at this with me. Write this down. Someone somewhere is depending on you doing what God has called you to do. Somebody somewhere. Leave that quote there for a second. You're in college. You're you're you're, you're uh, uh, junior high, high school, and God may be this morning staring, stirring in your heart about being a missionary or a minister. Being a coach or a teacher and taking his name with you wherever he leads you. What a scary and wonderful thing. There's people 10, 15, 25 years down, you've never met. That God's planning on using you to connect him and them. Isn't that awesome? If we don't drop the ball. Somebody somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. The ramifications are huge. Man, decisions aren't, big decisions aren't easy. And I I love what a former president of Notre Dame University said. He said, you don't make important decisions because they're easy. You don't make them because they're popular. You you don't make them because you just got to do something. You make them because they're right. You make right decisions because they're right, whether it's hard, difficult, or unpopular. And this morning, God says, I've got a choice, a decision I want you to make. I want you to follow me with all your heart. I want you to do that today. I've laid it out. I've done all the heavy work, God says. And now God says, it's your move. It's your move. It's your choice. Would you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, boy, I hope God is is ringing your heart, and I hope that you're willing to do whatever it is He's going to tell you to do. If you're not a Christian, or if you're unsure if you're a Christian, but you're ready today to give your life to Jesus, pray with me. Pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. Man, I'm, I'm throwing it to you today. It's your move. Maybe you just ask Jesus to come in your life or you're ready to do that. I, listen, I'll talk to you after church over here at this door. Are you come when we stand. You come and give your life to Christ today. It's an urgent personal choice that you need to make this morning. Do that today. Maybe you are ready to join the church. You can do that after church or you can come when we stand in just a moment and do that. But man, if God's leading you to do it, today's the day to do it. You're a Christian. All of us Christians, some choice to make. Maybe it is coming back to God. You've not been where you need to be for a long time. Today's the day. Come back to it. Maybe, Christian, God's laying on your heart something He's calling you to do. And it's time to say today to God, I will others of us maybe it's just saying God I want 2019 to be the greatest year I can have and it the most important thing I can do the wisest thing I can do is to follow you and I'm going to do that I want to ask you to stand you come pray at the altar come pray with